y'all bring it in read option episode 111 uh i'm recording we already have the episode recorded um i stayed up obviously watched sixers game uh, about to watch phoenix in dallas um but i wanted to come on here the sixers lost 99 to 90 um and you'll hear us talk a bunch about the sixers primarily me um later on in the pod but i wanted to get on here and, and talk about this first because obviously we talked uh, before game six. And a lot of what I was saying was about the reaction from game five. It's what happens when you only have two pods a week and the games don't necessarily fall in your uh, favor in terms of scheduling. Um, a lot of the stuff I talked about was long-term stuff about Joel Embiid. Um, and I just want everyone to know listening that I love Joel Embiid. I think Joel Embiid's an unbelievable player. I think he's one of the best five players in the NBA. Um, but he needs a he needs a running mate. He's either a running mate or someone better than him. Um, it was very apparent tonight how exhausted, how beat up, how much pain he was playing in. And all of that is fair, right? All of that is fair to say as an excuse, right? Um, however... There's stuff like in game five, the energy and some of that stuff that we get into later and the lack of aggressiveness with him where, you know, if you're going to play, you got to play. And um, tonight he came out. He tried. He gave effort tonight, effort that he didn't give in game five. And I respect the shit out of him for it. It's clear the injuries were a hamper. He couldn't get down low and dominate down low like he's used to. Um, And this whole thing, basically, and the reason I'm on here, talking about this right now um, is because as much as I love Embiid and I, I do, I really, really do. I think some things need to change for him um, from this organization. And every year we sit down and we talk about this and we're like, well, what do we need to do? Joel Embiid's prime is, you know, it's a short window. What's getting even shorter. And tonight's a, prime example the series is a prime example of why you can't have a big man be your centerpiece alone you don't win that way no one has ever won that way in the nba just like no one's ever won um with the with a point guard as you're running as, as your lead guy right other than you know the pistons and in 89 and 90 um I, I don't want this, and you guys are going to listen to the pod and that part of the pod and think I'm being really harsh on Embiid and think that I don't understand, you know, or I'm I'm being too hard on him because of what he played through. I understand what he's playing through, but to me, this whole thing, the shortcomings in the playoff, the injuries, the beating up, him not being to the level that he could be in game six, it, it's all intertwined, you know? Him getting the shit kicked out of him night after night in the regular season – he has to do that stuff. And I recognize that. And that's the problem with having a big man as your best player. Teams will double team him. Teams will be physical with him. Teams will take shots and they will attack him. And the more and more beat up he gets, the more they smell blood in the water. And so as much as I love Embiid, I, 
and, and I commend him on a just absolutely incredible season and the toughness and Jimmy Butler talking about it uh, post game on the court said, you know, I would love, he's like, I, I wish I was still Joel Embiid's teammate, but I love being a Miami heat. And I think that sums it up pretty well. He wants to be Joel Embiid's teammate, but the way that this organization, the Philadelphia 76ers is run is problematic and it doesn't set up Embiid for the best success. And so later on, when you hear me talking about the lack of aggression and all this stuff, it's not that I don't understand that Embiid is great or that Embiid busts his ass or that Embiid is an unbelievable player. Um, and that all of the injuries and everything are valid excuses because they are. Um, but he needs a teammate. He needs a running mate. And I, I said, and I used the wrong comp and I adjust it later, but I said, you know, he's dangerously getting close to that Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard territory. Um, and, and guards and big men, typically have to be this the Batman, you know, with the rare exceptions of guys like Shaq and Kobe, you know, or, you know, Hakeem and, and Clyde Drexler. Um, it's very rare um, that you see a big man in, in modern NBA be your best player uh, without having an elite wing player with him. And as I was talking uh, to my roommate during the game, there's not a whole lot of them out there. Um, so I don't know where the Sixers go from here. I don't know if they bring back Harden, who had two jump shot, had two shot attempts in the second half, um, had nine shots for the whole game, 11 points, and nine assists. Um, Tobias Harris will be on an expiring contract. I would expect them to try to move him this offseason. As much as I love Tobias, you want to get that contract off the books. Um, but we're at a point right now where Embiid's prime is being wasted. But I will stand by my belief that you it's not impossible, but it's incredibly difficult to win a championship with a guy like Joel Embiid being the centerpiece of your offense. If he's number two, if he's the second option, if he's the number one and you have a legit other number one there with him who can alleviate the pressure, I think you can do it that way. Um, but Embiid's not Giannis. Embiid's not a guy who handles the ball and can run an offense and bring the ball up the court. He does it a few times, and we all go nuts and say, oh, it's point Embiid. Let's be real. That's not that's not how this works. That's not how it works for him. It's not how it works for this Sixers offense. He does it a handful of times a year, a game, and when he does it and he makes an amazing play, we go, how the hell does a seven-foot-three guy do that? And it's deserved, right, because that's insane. But it's also unrealistic to say, like, oh, that's something he can do. No, he doesn't do what Giannis does. And Giannis has a Chris Middleton next to him. In fact, that's what makes what Giannis has been doing in this postseason so insane is that he's doing this without Chris Middleton. So I love Embiid. I want y'all to know that when you hear the later stuff. Um, I was, I'm frustrated. I think all Philadelphia fans are frustrated. I think Embiid deserves some criticism for the effort and the energy that came out in game five. Um, but I don't blame this series uh, or game five solely on Embiid. Uh, I blame the whole team. I blame Doc Rivers. I blame Daryl Morey. Um, I blame Elton Brand and, and Brett Brown for, for making the trades that they did and making the draft picks that they did. Um, you don't get as many bites at the apple, as many bites at the apple as the Sixers have um, and end out on the other side, right? Eventually you run out of apple. Eventually you will have just eaten the whole apple and the Sixers have taken a lot of bites, whether it was Zaire Smith and Mikhail Bridges, Fultz, 
in the trade there, giving up another first-round pick to go up and get him. Um, the Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler year. The James Harden trade, the shit with Ben Simmons, which I don't blame the Sixers for necessarily. Um, <clears throat> all in all, I am proud of Embiid. I love Embiid. He's an amazing Philadelphia player. But we're, we're, we're start, starting to approach a dangerous territory with Embiid. Um, and he's much more like Damian Lillard right now than he is Russell Westbrook. Um, and that was the mistake I made at the top of the comp there. Um, but just a bummer. It's the bummer. And who knows, right? If he doesn't have the fractured orbital bone, if Siakam doesn't elbow him in the face, if he doesn't tear the ligament and all that shit that happened around one, they could have won this series comfortably. I, I believe that. The Embiid we saw in the first few games of the uh, Toronto series was a scary motherfucker. Um, and it was clear that he didn't want to dance. He didn't want to go down in the paint. He didn't want any of that. And in games five and game six, Bam Adebayo owned his ass owned his ex and it's hard to blame Embiid. he's doing everything he's did so i'm not putting the blame solely on Embiid. it's the whole team it's the whole organization and uh at this point i hope doc rivers gets fired and i hope james harden gets traded but you, know, you tell me who wants james harden right now you know you tell me who's gonna pay Tobias Harris, $33 million. There's always a team. There's always somebody. Oklahoma City, right? But you're not getting shit back that's going to help you other than cap space. And then you look at who's available in free agency, and there ain't nobody around. So <sighs> disappointing. It's a bummer. But I do love Joel Embiid, and I don't want that to be misconstrued when you hear me kind of put some criticism on him that I think partially he earned um, based off of game five, but he came out tonight and showed, Hey, I'm going to try. I'm going to make, I'm going to be aggressive. Uh, and the shots weren't falling. Harden wasn't aggressive tonight, even though he was aggressive in game five. Uh, the whole team I felt like played hard up until the third quarter. And then the heat just absolutely blew them out of the water. I mean, it was a one point game at halftime. It was back and forth. The Sixers were winning for most of the first half. And the Heat came out and were just the far superior team. They played unbelievable defense. Jimmy Butler was on another level. And uh, at the end of the day, they were the better team with the way the Sixers currently stood with a hurt and beat. And uh, the last thing, too, is Danny Green. Um, that sucks. Danny Green is uh, – he has to have torn everything in his knee. That was a really, really ugly play. Um, to a veteran, to a leader on this team, a guy who has uh, could have left last year and wanted to come back because um, he wanted to play with Embiid. And uh, oh, that sucks. That sucks for Danny Green. So speed of recovery to him. Um, he was out there on the court after the game with crutches and everything. Anyway, uh, on to the show. We got a full show, um, but I just wanted to take the time to open up and talk about this since I was up and uh, – and I didn't want people to think after seeing how hard and, and everything and be tried tonight, even though his just it just wasn't there. Um, I wanted to make sure that people didn't think I was being unfair or that I wanted to clarify at least my position on Embiid because he's amazing, but they got to give him a running mate. 
If he's one, they need a 1A. They don't need a number two. They need a 1A. They need someone who can take the pressure off of him, who can take over a game. Um, because I don't think he, he can't be the number one guy without that. I don't think there are many guys in the NBA who can. I think Giannis is the only one. But Embiid, big men just don't do that. And with the window and how freaking banged up he was tonight and the amount of times he fell on the floor, I don't know what else. You know, like it, it's just by this point in the season – led the league in scoring, did all this stuff. His body, he was exhausted, and I feel for the guy. But also, this is an indictment on the entire organization. And we'll see what they do. It's going to be a long offseason ahead. All right. On to your regularly scheduled programming. Congrats to the Heat. You're going to get your shit stuffed by Milwaukee in the second round, third round. All right. We'll be back after this. Uh, recording before the basketball, but to be honest, I don't really, I don't really care what happens because I am dead inside. Uh, sports are stupid. I don't know why we care, um, and everything is dumb and I, everything hurts. On top of that, Scotty and I are both sick. Um, Flu game. I, I feel like absolute shit. So if my voice is lower than usual, or I have to mute myself to cough, or end up coughing in the middle of a sentence, I apologize. Uh, good news is. It's not COVID, but when hey. I was talking to my mom yesterday, Scotty, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I got this weird, like, you know, chest cough and I don't know really like, where it just kind of came out of nowhere. And she's like, you did stand outside in 45 degree weather and pouring rain for about six hours on Saturday. So that's true. Maybe we did do that. Maybe yeah. that has something to do with it. Um, so, yeah, so I flu game for us. words. Vito's also <laughs> sick, uh, but he's just not man enough to come onto the pot. So, uh, no, we just, he's <laughs> give him a break. I mean, geez, he was sick. Poor like, guy. Oh, we, he was sick last week and now he's sick been again. traveling all over creation, man. Yeah, of course, it's going to happen. He's the man up. He's the man <laughs> up. He's being soft. Um, no, but, but this will I'm, I'm telling you all now, this will probably be the shortest episode in read option history uh, as we are 111 episodes in one, one, one. I'm glad you're feeling better, though, because, yeah, you, it kind of hit you the day before it hit me. So I don't know if we yeah. what day it three was, is much but better. <laughs> we got to text Kenny, too, and see if he's feeling like shit, too. I did. Yeah, he's good. He's good. He's good. All right. Yeah. Well, that at least Kenny, it would I would feel bad if Kenny was sick. For us, yeah. we we can handle. It. I don't want I don't want my precious boy Kenny getting. I'll sick. tell you what, man, it's allergies. Go outside, build up your immune system. Well, it's I been, was just out mowing the grass, and I feel like a million bucks. Well, I, I did that yesterday, and I was out like chipping balls in the yard and and kind of you know working on my short game a little, and it was sunny out, so I felt like the vitamin D was helping me. Um, but no, nah, like I just I I I haven't gotten sick in a long time. Like I'm not typically someone who gets sick. So when I do get sick, it like hits me hard. And I slept, I slept like 10 hours last night, woke up at seven to do a radio show, was done by nine. And then I actually did the radio show from bed. Like I was on my laptop in bed doing whatever I could to help. And then as soon Zoom as the background show, on, <laughs> I didn't even have to be on Zoom for this one, which was oh. great. Um, so I, I called in with my phone to listen to the show and kept myself on hold the whole time. And then. After that, I fell asleep again at nine and didn't wake up again until like two. So it's a it's been a weird sickness. I don't know what it is. It's not COVID, which is all I care about. I've taken two COVID tests. They've both have been negative. Um, so I guess I, I still haven't gotten COVID, at least not that I know of. Oh, so, Jeff, I care about you. Yeah, right. I mean, I I'm just I suspect that I might have gotten it 
right in everybody's February. had because the last time i was sick sick was february of 2020 and i like almost had an, like i had the worst asthma attack of my life and almost died my roommate had to like save my life with his inhaler because my inhaler was out scary day shout out will hardgrove he doesn't listen but i love you because save he saved my life um anyway Let's get into some of the stuff. We are going to hit on the playoffs. Unbelievable game with Milwaukee and Boston last night. Uh, the Sixers stink. Um, Golden State gets absolutely shit pumped, um, but I still am not too worried, but we'll get into that later. And then Phoenix delivering a shit pumping to Memphis as well. Um, but there's a couple of things I want to hit on. Some news out of the NFL today. Uh, Jerry Judy was arrested. Um, and is held without bail in Colorado right now for um, Judge Judy presiding. Uh, you're going to probably not going to make a joke when I continue here, but uh, domestic Uh-oh. violence um, held mm. without bail. Um, I just when are people going to get it, Scott? Like when is like I? When are people going to get it? I'm. It breaks my heart for these women. You know, and, and mm-hmm. any victim of domestic violence. I mean, anyone who's followed oh, the yeah. Johnny Depp and, and uh, Amber Heard or whatever the hell her name is stuff and how crazy that's all been. It's both sided, but predominantly, you know, it is overwhelmingly men. And, and we just we keep seeing these guys and, and not that the two are correlated in any way, but like his teammate, what happened with um, Henry Ruggs, right, Henry Ruggs, in, yeah. in the season. And now Jerry Judy is. It's just when are people going to fucking learn, man? Like I just, it just yeah. keep it, it keeps happening. It keeps breaking my heart, and I just, I, I plead for these women, and it, it kills me. And then these young kids who are too masculine to go get mental health help and do anything, it just breaks my heart. That's, I don't know what we that's can do. a huge a huge part of the problem is is that I think, and then the other big part, uh, not to to diminish the fact that the the mental health aspect of it, which is, like I said, I think it's probably the most critical part of it of the equation. Uh, but to the degree uh, that <clears throat> of punishment in the NFL, like what's going to happen? Look what happened with Deshaun Watson, who's yeah. accused on 30 some odd counts of, of domestic abuse or, uh, or sexual abuse. And then uh, he goes out and gets the largest uh, contract for a quarterback in NFL history. Guaranteed money. Uh, guaranteed contract. Yeah. That also and- was skewed to, to benefit him if he does get suspended for any of this. And, yep. and the fact and then, that go ahead. Yeah. And the, go ahead. And, and the past too, just, I mean, like look at any past case that we've seen going all the way back to even Ray Rice, when we had video evidence, mm-hmm. uh, Ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> yeah. uh, same thing, six games. Like, I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like none, none of the, the punishment has changed and the NFL doesn't care because it's still getting its bag. Uh, and, and I've been on a soapbox on this podcast and this and this forum many a time, uh, preaching about how the NFL doesn't care about the result, doesn't care about the people involved. All it cares about is the money it's going to continue to get at the end of the day. So, and it's it sucks too because you know when it's the backup offensive lineman, the dude from Seattle last summer, or maybe it was two summers ago. Do you remember that story, which yeah, is yeah. horrific? You know that dude had some serious bipolar issues. But when it's him, swift cut, doesn't matter. Get him out of here. Leagues like tapping themselves on the back. Hey, we did it right. But yeah. when it's somebody that's valuable to the team, like the amount of people in, in Cleveland, and I'm not going to break down, say, the majority or, or half even of Browns fans, but there are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of Browns fans who are so excited about Deshaun Watson before 
any of this has been finished, before we know any of the details. And I've said firmly on this podcast for the majority of the time, like, I do want to wait and see because there are other mitigating factors in the Deshaun Watson case. Sure. And there was no criminal trial and the stuff with the lawyer and the owner and all this other stuff. And I, I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll, when in doubt, I lean with the victim. I just do. You know, I'm, I'm going to take the victim side and those women Agreed. deserve to have their voices heard and their cases heard. But I'm, I'm sick of like every three months, there's another big name. There's no, another person doing this. And I get you're rich, you're young, you're famous, you're dumb, you're hyper masculine, you do all this shit to. But like, when is it just going to stop? When is it just going to be like, hey, enough is enough, man. Just yeah. like grow, like just grow. Like, I don't know. Like, what, it was like one of the biggest things my dad instilled in me as a kid. And, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe other people didn't get it. But you don't touch women. You don't lay your hands physically on a woman. You, you never, ever, ever do that. And you shouldn't do that with men either, for the record. You should find ways to diffuse, yeah. diffuse situations. But you never, ever do it to a woman. And it's just... Look, he's innocent until proven guilty. I get it, but it's just a sh- it's just a shame. It's just a shame. But yeah, it's it's the amount of of times we have to keep going through the same exactly. story, right? It sucks. It sucks. And yeah. the sad thing is, is if you're valuable and you matter, the NFL and the, a lot of fans are going to forgive you. And honestly, the only way to fix that is the fans have to be better. And we have more fans now speaking out against Deshaun Watson. The amount of Browns fans who are like, <laughs> "I'm not supporting this team right anymore." because of this and, and big names, you know, the Mike Ruizes from, you know, yeah. Levitard and, and, yep. you know, a lot of the people, Gabby good, who works for DraftKings or Fanduel or one of them um, who I follow on Twitter. Um, Cleveland has a lot of like, I say this all the time about Cleveland, like for whatever reason, I happen to follow a bunch of random Cleveland fans. Um, but a lot of them voice their concerns, but then you look in the mentions and there's hundreds of people who are calling them, you know, who are defending Deshaun Watson. And, and I don't know, I just, I'm sick of it. And I hope this is a misunderstanding or something, but if not, then Jerry Judy shouldn't be allowed back in the league. It's that simple. Yep. Um, all right. From that, I want to move on to one other NFL topic before we take a break and get into NBA stuff. Um, the schedule release is tonight. Now it is. I know there are gamblers who care and I know fans of individual teams care. Why in the fuck ESPN is having an 8 p.m. release schedule where they're going team by team and division by division, releasing all this schedules at once during the NBA playoffs when no one's going to be watching it anyway, and they hold everyone captive? Just send out a tweet. If you want to see your team schedule, release the tweet. We can all see our team schedule, and if you want the more information, it'll all be available. 3 p.m. today, release it. Boom. Could have been out for three hours. We could have had a great conversation. We could have broken down some of the matchups. But the other aspect of this, aside from ESPN just doing another stupid thing that they don't need to do that's wasting everybody's time, is the fact that we don't know anything, right? The Eagles were projected to have the second hardest schedule in the NFL last year. They won more games and made the playoffs. Right. And yeah, they didn't beat any of the playoff teams or whatever, but they still beat, you know, teams like Washington that we all thought were going to be good. Right. Like mm-hmm. they won big games. They beat both games against Washington. Like they, because we just have no idea. And I get there are betters who like betting like projections and like who's going to win the NFC East, who's going to win the AFC West, like all that kind of stuff. So for those hardcore gamblers, I get why it's a big deal, but that is a small percentage of NFL fans. And the majority of NFL fans, they just want to see a schedule. When I was a kid, 
we would get a magnet in the mail that was sponsored by like oh, yeah. our lo- the local realty company. You go down to the 7-Eleven or something. They got yeah. a, a little paper schedule. Yeah. yeah. And then boom, you stuck it up on the fridge like that. And that worked perfectly because I didn't care about any of the other schedules except for the Eagles. Nowadays, like, yeah, well, I leaf through it while I look at certain matches and be like, oh, this player like last year, Detroit and Matt Stafford. Right. And I think last year when we talked about it, we didn't break down the whole thing. We each picked like two or three games that we were excited about. We spent 10 minutes talking about it. And then we moved on because the bigger matchups, the Monday nights, the international games. Yeah. Some of that stuff's interesting, but we know the Monday night games. We know there's another Nickelodeon game on Christmas day, right? We know the three games on Christmas day. We know that, you know, the, the Niners are playing in, in Mexico city. We talked about that on Monday's pod. So all that interesting stuff has already been released. And what's even worse is they tell us the teams are going to play. Like I got, I saw a tweet that was like, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals, these are teams we're playing this year. Or the Chargers did a thread where it was like teams were playing as Pop-Tarts and they made a bunch of funny like fake app to, uh, Pop-Tart boxes that <laughs> match the team. That's great content. Then why can't, if we know the teams are playing, just tell us the time. It feels so unnecessary. It feels so stupid and no one's going to watch and you're wasting an opportunity. Or if you want to do a show, do it at three o'clock when NFL Live airs. So that way when the playoffs are on, everyone's going to watch it. It just makes no sense. We don't know who's good, and it just feels completely unnecessary to me. Yeah, I look, I think it's uh, a large part of it is the way that we're consuming football now, right? Like you look, you want the the fan to be invested in more games than just their teams, right? This is why we have NFL re- – and players even for that matter. This is why we have NFL red zone. So you throw red zone on the one TV, and then you go week by week and circle the matchups that you want to put on the other TV maybe. Uh, you know, that's that's the way that people consume football. That and then, you know, you want to see the players playing up against you. Like, I want to know when Patrick Mahomes is playing Josh Allen, if that's even happening this year. I don't even, I don't know who the Chiefs are playing. But, and then you get a, a, a similar thing. I'll use the AFC West as an example again. Last year when we had the NFC East with literally the division came down to the last five weeks because everybody was playing everybody else in that division. If something like that happens this year in the AFC West, where we know all four teams are pretty stacked. Like that's insane. Like that's what I'm going to be paying attention to. But to your point, you're right. Like it's, we don't know by what point on those uh, on that schedule for, for any particular team, whether or not that team's going to be any good or the team that they're playing that was supposed to make it a good matchup is going to be any good. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Look, we, the Niners are playing the the Bucks. If that game's in week 14 and Tom Brady happens to get the first injury of his career, I'm not calling it. I'm just saying. And, and all of a sudden that game becomes a dud, right? Like instead of Tom Brady's coming home to play, uh, to play the San Francisco, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, so, so yeah, it's, it's ridiculous and, uh, and extravagant, but it's, it's the way we consume football. And now, you know, all the content we've created out of this has, has led to more content that ESPN is going to kind of use to, to suck you in. It just feels so inconsequential to me. It just feels like, I, yeah, I get when they do a, a, a six hour, you know, two hours before and then four hours after for the NFL trade deadline. Our, our free agency period, right? Like I, I like when they well, do that yeah. because that's, that's more impact. That's consequential. That cares. I yeah. like when we have all day draft coverage because it matters. This doesn't matter. Right. And as you said, the, the NFC East for the last three seasons have jumped, have just bundled all of those remaining games. Like the Eagles played two at NFC East teams until like week 11, I think, or week 12 last year. Yeah. And then the last five weeks or last six or the last five games, 
They were playing four NFC East teams and then one non-NFC East team, right? And there's a good chance that with that division, that's going to come down to the end. Same thing with the AFC West. I think that would be great, but we also don't know. Patrick Mahomes gets hurt. And there's a million things we don't know. Yep. And at the end of the day, this matters for individual teams and fans of individual teams. Yeah. If you want to see who your team is playing, no one, I, I'm telling you, the, the average fan does not care. And to go through and be like, all right, well, here, here's the schedule for the AFC East, right? And then you go through Buffalo and Miami and New England and the Jets. Well, then there's going to, between those three teams, there's probably the other 32 teams will all probably pop up or maybe not all other, the 32 teams or 28 teams or whatever would be left, but like 20 of the teams will pop up. So then fans will start to piecemeal it. And it's just, it just seems so dumb. Like, I don't know. And, and I'm not trying to be old man, you know, yelling at clouds here or anything like that, but like, there's a, there's a point of diminishing returns of the NFL shoving shit down my throat. And there are very few things that I'm going to fight, push back and be like, no, I don't need NFL coverage on this. This is like the, this is like the line. This is where I'm like, just give us the schedules. We are, I already know all the teams that are coming home. I know that Jacksonville is coming to Philadelphia. I know that Carson Wentz is going to come back to Philadelphia and play. Right. Other than that. Okay. Sure. But you know, that's, we, that's we know you the caring about we're your playing. team. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And for and me, the it's the same it, way. Like, I want to know if I'm going to go. Like, we're playing Denver this year. I want to start making travel plans with Vito, our, and, our resident Broncos fan, to go out to that game and watch with them. And you you would be able to do that whether if they release it at 3 o'clock exactly. or they release it at 9.30 at night exactly. on the two-hour, you know, schedule release special. And I get it. Yep. You want For the TV companies, you want to be a good partner. The NFL is going to do anything they can to drum up interest. But – it's so inconsequential to the fan. And I actually think it, it hurts the individual fan who just wants to see their team. You know, like when you are watching the draft and your team is drafting at 20, you're going to watch the first 19 picks because you want to know who's available at 20, right? Mm -hmm. There's no reason for the fan whose team gets announced at 930 after an hour and a half to sit down and watch all of that. You might see your team pop up a few times, but still – it just feels like a waste. And I know from working with people who have done stuff like this in, in the college world, they hate doing it because they have to make predictions and they have to set up games and, and, all, and be like, oh, this is going to be a good game. It might. We you know don't what know. Jalen Hurts could suck this year, right? And then we don't know. So it just it just seems seems so dumb. You know what else just cropped into my head too? Hmm. Uh, a novel idea. At the amount, millions of fantasy players get a uh, a live look at hey uh now you know uh kansas city schedule is pretty hard i'm i'm maybe i'm i'm not gonna take uh uh juju smith schuster or whatever yeah uh, right and that's yeah, so, a you know maybe the Eagles' schedule is is relatively easy and i'm gonna take one of their receivers or jalen hurts or somebody right so like that the the people who play fantasy are interested in it too but you but could the- just as easily do that's the, the same, point. The same thing. If you're one of the weirdo, like obsessive fantasy players who like have made their whole career. And like, I, I used to be into it when I played like daily fantasy and I still love fantasy football. We're going to do a fantasy preview at some point this summer. Like we love it on this pod. We're all in the same league. We have a ton of fun doing it, but at the same time, Come if on, you're like, <laughs> if you're like one of those hardo guys who's in like 10 leagues and you're in dynasty leagues and you play daily fantasy for every single game and all that shit, like, you're going to take the time to go through every team's schedule, right? And if this is like your 
like Mardi Gras, this is your Christmas morning type type of event, then you are such a next level NFL fan that it, it again to do this, which is designed to get more casual fans to watch. When again, you have NBA playoffs going on tonight and elimination games for Phoenix and for Philadelphia, you know, and, and Miami, Philly and Phoenix and Dallas that are going to be happening tonight. It just makes no sense. And it just I, I just I don't know. It's the first like thing like this where I'm like, I push back on NFL marketing. I love when they do the trade deadline. I love when they do the free agency deadline. I love when they do the draft stuff. I love the training camp stuff. We don't need to do this because we're going to then spend the next four months. We have 120 days from today until week one of the NFL season. We have 120 days to work through the schedule, right? And by then we'll see injuries in training camp. We'll have a better idea. We don't know fucking anything and to waste everybody's time and try to distract people it just feels so inconsequential and honestly as a content dude it makes me annoyed because i would have loved to have sat down and picked out some games today you know let's each pick five games we're looking forward to because of not necessarily good matchups but because oh doug peterson's going back to philadelphia just right. the storyline just the storylines yeah. right and i love doing it last year because we each had different answers whether it was the matthew stafford going back to detroit right and games like that and that is awesome that is entertainment but this is not this is a waste of everyone's time and also i'm sick and cranky so like that that doesn't help <laughs> just wait till no, we get to the sixers sure. after the break because that's i'm gonna sound like even more of a curmudgeon but nonetheless it's just like just send it out man come on what are we doing uh, one other interesting piece of uh, NFL news before we take a break, the Patriots traded Jarrett Stidham to the Raiders. Um, and honestly, it's not really interesting or consequential in any way, but I did find it interesting that at the top of the ESPN article, it said Patriots are trading veteran quarterback Jarrett Stidham to the Raiders. Veteran quarterback. We throw that term around way too loosely, like oh. way, way too loosely. He's I, does, has he started a game in the NFL? I think yes is the answer. Was to it that. was it the, like the I do not he however, came there when Cam Newton was there, right? And Cam Newton started most of those games, but then I, I don't think I mean it, at most that we can pull up full pro football reference. Zach Parker on it. Yeah, I mean we can pull up full pro football reference, but I'm just like, how is he a veteran? Like if if it was Blake Bortles, like all right, sure. Yeah, yeah, Blake Bortles is a veteran quarterback. Jared Stidham's not a veteran quarterback. Like He's been in the league for like three seasons. This will be his Cup fourth of coffee. Year, yeah. You know, and I don't think he's if he started a game, it's it's one or two. He's been injured for a bunch of his you know time in New England as well. I just what is the acceptable line of veteran? He has not started a game. There you go. Not one. He's been an go. eight, but has not started once. So what's where, where's the line for you? How many years? How many games started until we can call people a veteran? Uh, I feel like I feel like you have to have started at least half a season, um, whether at once or uh, or you know in 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 uh, piecemeal, uh, you know, a couple games here, a couple games there. Half a season, especially if you're one of these journeyman guys. I don't yeah. even think half a season. I think you need minimum. I think if you've only started. Eight oh games. no, I'm sorry. Let me let me rephrase. If you've started eight games and then there's got to be like a Mendoza line, right? That's what I, that's uh, exactly what I was just going to say. If you if you've started eight games and have like at four years in the league. I was going to say five. Okay. I mean cuz well what's so what's the uh 
the time, I think it's four years when you get like the next level of pension in the NFL. I think it's I four. I'm pretty sure it's four years. Um, I remember talking to McElroy about this one time because he was, he, he was like one year short or was just four years. I don't know. But to me, I think it's five. If it's four and you've started like 20 games at your position, then I'll, I'll, I'll be like, all right, I guess I can give that to you. But I, I really think you have to be in the league at least five. But like growing up, I heard the term veteran. And that to me was like eight to 10 years in the league. Yeah. With a lot and of like almost a full-time starter. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think a veteran counts if you've started zero games and you've been in the league for three years and you've played in eight games. That doesn't Do count. playoff games count for double? Like if um, like does Nick Foles jump up on the veteran scale because of the playoff? Run? Well, Nick Foles is definitely a veteran. I mean, he's been in the league well, for ten years. Yeah, but by then, okay. I mean, if if we're drawing our Mendoza line there, then yeah, at five, then yeah. Like but, Jared Goff getting traded to the Detroit, you call him a veteran because he started for five years and ooh, went to the number Super Bowl. of teams count too. Like how many teams have you been on? And yeah, played I would I would say like that's it, that's like a. a a small factor for like, like borderline cases, you know, I'm trying to think of, of like a good example of a quarterback or something like it's like Sam Darnold, yeah, like Sam Darnold Ooh. after this year, after last year, I would put in that. No, because again, that's no. only, that I was think he's fourth, a borderline. He's on the outside looking year, in. right? <laughs> Cause he got drafted in 2018. But he started like three full seasons. Well, two and a half. He played yeah. right. Cause he was drafted in 2018. Yeah, I still and, think he's OIL. Yeah, I don't think I don't think outside looking in. Yeah, no, I. Man, that's tough. That's a that's <laughs> a right, tough. We're one gonna to rank these next. This next is gonna episode. be his. Yeah, this is gonna be his fourth season in the NFL. Is that right? No, eighteen Top season, nineteen season, twenty season, twenty one. So he's played four seasons and was the starter for three, and then was a part time missed half the season to injury. So I I, I give Sam Darnold because. Like if he started like forty games in the NFL, that's enough. Like Mike Sammy Lennon, Bet. like when Mike Lennon went from Tampa Bay and then he got that absurd contract um, with uh, Chicago, he was a veteran at that point. But even still, like to my childhood veteran status, I to me, I I think it should be more than that. But I don't know. Veteran to me seems like you have to have some time served to be a veteran. Yeah, and J- yeah, Jared that, Stidham, uh, Jared Stidham is definitely not. not no, he does not fit that bill. No, he doesn't. Uh, this according to the read option. Yeah, here we go. Official Jared Stidham, not a veteran. I'm sure ESPN <laughs> will make their adjustments accordingly. All right, uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll recap the uh, basketball from the last couple of nights since we've been on. Um, oh, God. Yeah, I mean our picks weren't too bad. Um, no, nope, mine. I was one for four. <laughs> I went three and one. So. Yeah, that's right. Because the one that we 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 were agreed on two. Yeah, you went one 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 and three. I went three and one. Well, I would take one and three if my team won like yours did. So we'll get into all that on the other side. All right, uh, we will start. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna start with the Sixers, even though I kind of want to. But we're not. We're gonna start with the Milwaukee Boston game last night because that was the best game of the postseason. Excellent for sure. Um, what just an unbelievable comeback from Milwaukee. I mean, they were down 10 at halftime. They were down 12, I think, in the third quarter. I think it got all the way almost to like 14 at one point in the fourth quarter. And it's so cliche to say, but, like, that's what championship teams do. But, like, that's what championship team teams do. Because 
we, we can sit here and call that, you know, bullshit, whatever. But there is a belief that you have when you've won a ring, right? There's an extra amount of confidence that, like, no matter how much you're down, you will keep clawing, keep fighting. And it's a testament to Giannis, too. Like, Giannis taking that game over at certain points. I mean, Drew Holiday, I think, went, like, 8 of 20 and was not shooting the ball well. And yet Giannis was just like, doesn't matter. We're just keep firing. We're keep getting after this. Whenever they needed a big bucket, he was there. It's 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 very obvious. Like it's very obvious the the delineation between championship teams and not because the Warriors did this in Game Four, mm-hmm. right? Like Steph and Clay exactly were abysmal, thing. and then took over late in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. Right? No, it, it, you're you're hundred percent right. Like when you have that championship makeup, there's a there's an extra level of confidence that you have getting into it. And for Boston, who's had nothing but kind of shortcomings in big game. I mean, like, yeah, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals in the bubble, but they should, you know, kind of collapsed a couple of times in that series. You're and the Sixers are the exact same way. I mean, the Sixers have not gotten past the second round of the playoffs with Embiid. And when they needed, you know, a big game and guys to step up the most, they get housed by 35 points. And there was just I mean, they, they got it back to I think it was like 10 points at halftime just like Milwaukee did. And then it was like 12 to 15 after third quarter, just like Milwaukee did. And the Sixers just completely gave up. And, and Milwaukee, on the other hand, and part of that's because of Giannis. And I have a theory that, you know, I forget who was, I think it was Chuck actually in the post game after the Sixers game was talking about this, but like, no, it might've been Shaq, but I, he said something about, you know, the energy that guys get from your best player. And so rarely do I ever believe in the like, well, back in my day stuff, you know, um, that the one thing I do agree with on with that is the energy from your role players, right? Like I said a bunch on, on Tuesday's pod about how, you know, role players play better when they're at homes, when they're at home. And that was true back then. But the one thing that back then, even though they performed better, the energy was always there, right? Whether it was, um, you know, like uh, Kevin McHale clotheslining Kurt Rambis, right, in, in L.A. Like, there was fight from guys who weren't your best player. Tony and Kukoc. Tony Kukoc, same thing, right? <laughs> Steve Kurt, like, and, and it helps to have an MVP, to have your star player giving out the energy, and then people feed off of it. But your role players have to step up. And in the modern NBA, role players get all of their energy based off of what their best player is doing. If their best player looks weak, you're not winning, right? We saw it with Jason Tatum in the game that uh, I think it was game three that Milwaukee beat uh, uh, Boston in where Jason Tatum had 10 points, right? And it was like, all right, Marcus Smart's not looking that good. And like, yeah, Horford stepped up, but that's because Horford is, you know, a veteran and, and is always consistently good. With Milwaukee, when Giannis, because of his makeup, because of his just constant aggressive going at the hole, always trying to score, always trying to be the best player on the court. And to an extent that I actually think he can do it more than he does now, everybody on that team feeds on it. And nobody in that game, Pat Connaughton hitting multiple big threes and then two huge free throws at the end of the game. Bobby Portis on the road fighting for the offensive rebound to put them up one with you know 30 seconds left or however much. I think it was less. I think it was like 15 seconds left. Um, that's the kind of stuff that that really, really matters. You know, and, and it makes a big difference um, with with your team. And I, yeah. I wish we could be at a point where NBA players, role players in particular, will at least show fight. You know, like that was the thing that pissed me off the most about the, the Sixers game was like Harden. And I'm not going to spend too much of a, you know, divergence here because I know we're talking about Milwaukee, but like 
Harden gave the most effort in that game. James Harden played the hardest, running full court, guarding guys full court, going after steals, chasing guys down the court. James Harden. Yeah. Like that says a lot about the mentality of the Sixers as a team going into that game. And what's amazing about Milwaukee is they have the perfect guy that everybody believes in that has the demeanor of the best player in the world. And at this point, you cannot argue that anybody on the planet is better than Giannis Antetokounmpo. All the Sixers fans who were bitching about Embiid not winning MVP, the real MVP of the league isn't on Denver or Philly. He plays in Milwaukee, which is why I said all throughout that debate that if I was picking, Giannis probably would have been my MVP because Giannis is the best player in the fucking world. His team feeds off of it. He's out there with blood dripping down his face, looking like an absolute animal. And they go out and get well, a massive comeback. He does play for the, for the Deers. <clears throat> that, is, that is true. That is true. <laughs> no, so like uh, uh, what you're saying is uh, make MVP a reigning award until you prove uh, that you're not anymore. No, I'm not saying that because it's about the individual system. I'm you know, kidding. Thing, but, I'm kidding. No. Um, but like LeBron dude, so, was dinged for that forever. Like LeBron was always the best player in the league, but he didn't win the MVP every single year, you know? True. Or he was close. Close enough that you wouldn't have taken it away from him. Exactly. Um, uh, so th- this is how you know we're living in a simulation. This is not a conspiracy theory, but literally, like, you play NBA 2K, like, there's this this takeover thing, right, where they have, like, all of their, their greatest attributes, and, and if you do enough during the game, it's it's you go in a takeover mode, and all of those, like, skill boosters just uh, uh, make you, like, just boost all of all of your your attributes your stats and stuff. And, i didn't know that that's cool as shit stuff. and then it 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 makes the people around you better. that is the one thing that is the most it's i mean the graphics are amazing but it's what it's the most realistic thing in playoff basketball that that game has right because that's exactly what happened uh is Giannis went into takeover mode and it was just like all right uh give me the ball and I'm going to do my thing and everybody around me is going to be the better for it. It's the human nature of sports, right? Like we, we, I say this all the time about us looking at pro athletes as superheroes and expecting so much out of them, right? Like there's a human element to this when, you know, I would say challenge anybody when you are confident at your job, do you do a better job when you have days where you're just feeling confident when you dress nice and you look in the mirror and you're like, damn, I look good tonight. Aren't you going to have more confident? confidence on your first date right with a girl like that's just how the that's how human beings work and in the playoffs when you have a guy like hey we have superman on our team we have Giannis on our team we have michael jordan we have lebron it elevates everybody because they believe in themselves and their teammates that much more and i think with Giannis, i think he's the number one guy in the league right now who feels that way right and when Embiid's playing well, he does the same thing, but Embiid doesn't always play like that. There are times when Embiid doesn't, you know, body him. He doesn't, doesn't get aggressive. Like he wasn't on, on, you know, in game five and then everyone else is soft and everyone else is like, well, we can't get into our rhythm because our leaders, our leaders hurt. (laughs) Andrew, Andrew brought up, you know, and this was actually a really good point because we were talking about this the other night in the movie 300 or sorry, no, not 300 in the movie Hercules, the real life action one with, with Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Um, in that movie, his like crew, like the leaders of his council knew that he wasn't an actual like God, like a Greek mythology God, but they didn't tell that to all the people fighting with him. All the people that were fighting with him believed he was a God. 
And they were, they had the confidence of, I, we have it's, God on our side, right? It's Michael's secret stuff from Space Jam. Exactly. It, it, part of it might be placebo effect. I, I don't know, but there's truth to Giannis dropped 40 again last night and didn't even have his best scoring games at the time and, and, and faded in and out at certain points. Your holiday's not playing well and they don't have their best player. And yet they had no business winning that game and they somehow did. I mean, they didn't lead the game. I don't think from like, it was like a minute on yeah. until the last 10 seconds of the game. And then Drew Holiday, the part I love about Drew Holiday too, is the chip that he's playing on with his shoulder. On both you know. sides of the ball too. Yeah. And like Man, Marcus. That, that play to end the game. Well, the, the block and the steal. Yeah. He was the first player in NBA history in the playoffs to have a block and a steal in the last 10 seconds of a game. Like, and, and Drew Holiday has always been, in my estimation, the best defensive guard in basketball. And it was him mm -hmm. and Marcus Smart. And Mar this is no ding on Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's a great, great player. But the Defensive Player of the Year award to him really felt like, all right, the, who's the best defensive team? All right. You know, it's the Boston Celtics. Do we want to give it to Giannis again? No. Do we want to give it to Rudy Gobert again? No. Well, you know, Marcus Smart's been one of the best defensive players for a while, even though he's out of his prime and he's not even the best. Of, he's maybe the third best defensive player on his own team. Let's give it to him anyway, because he's had a career of it. That was a career award for Marcus Smart. I'm sorry, because in this series, it, we've seen absolutely why Drew Holiday is the better defensive guard than Marcus Smart. He just is. And I, I Marcus Smart is a guy that if he's on your team, you love and everyone else in the league hates him. Yeah, and absolutely. The flopping and shit with him, too. I mean, Jesus Christ. The flopping in the NBA and the officiating in the NBA is at all as a whole is, is atrocious. And that's, you know, we talked about that before and might revisit it here in the next week or so. But um, I don't know. This is uh, the other thing, too, is I've seen some debate. Right. Did Boston blow this or is Milwaukee did Milwaukee earn this? And if I'm being honest, Boston played amazing. Boston yeah, played amazing. Great game for 47. They've done better. I mean, Jason <laughs> Tatum. From Jason Tatum was electric, 34 from him last night. Al Horford, the dunk he had in the putback dunk, I mean, I thought that was going to be game. Like, I thought there Horford's, was no coming back from that. Horford's um, playing out his mind right now. Yeah, so, I mean, and he only had eight points in this game, but you felt his presence on the court the yeah. entire time. Jalen Brown going off for 16 in the third quarter. Uh, Daniel Tice dropping an 11 and hitting threes, right? And Marcus Smart, you know, ultimately was like kind of turning point. But for the most part, Grant Williams – played great defense but was a nothing burger in the, in the stat line basically um and then the whole team can't just be jason tatum and jalen brown but yet i didn't think any of them played bad when i was watching the game and down the stretch there wasn't any bad possessions there wasn't like oh that was a bad shot like oh maybe you shouldn't have shot that there like no tatum was hitting pull-ups like crazy tatum was getting to the rack when he when he wanted to and yet the bucks were just better and it's scary to think that they don't have Chris Middleton right now either. I mean, I, they have to be the favorite to win the title. And and I know it feels like every time we kind of, you know, jump around, who's the favorite? I said on, on Monday when we were recording, but, like, I thought whoever wins this series would be the favorite. I think Milwaukee at this point winning game five in Boston. Yeah. And there's a stat that says 85% of the time in a 2-2 series, the team that wins game five wins the whole thing. So, oh, wow. Well, that's 80, bad news for me. It's bad news. <laughs> well, no, because you were up 3-1. Oh. This is 2-2. Two, oh, two. Two. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, and Philly Whoa. was – Philly, right. I mean, it's bad news for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, Milwaukee's <laughs> just unbelievable.
and Giannis Dude, I, is unbelievable. I, I would love to see this matchup in the conference finals because it truly is a conference finals matchup. Like yeah. uh, either of the two on, on the other uh, in the other matchup, Philly and Miami, I don't think are better than these two teams. So no shot. Uh, yeah, no, no shot. Just Drew Holiday, man. The first thing that popped into my head during that play at the end of the game where he stole uh, at half court was, and I'm going to make myself sound really old, but I didn't watch this play live. I just remember watching highlights of this was, uh, was Johnny most call of in the 65. Have check stole the ball. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, Holiday stole the ball. Same thing with the Larry bird inbound steal <laughs> and then pass the, uh, to Johnson. Um, yeah. yeah. Was it Gus Johnson? Is that the, the point guard? No, he's a broadcaster. No, but I, I know, but I think they have the same name. <laughs> oh, did I? Okay. I don't know. 86. All right. I wasn't going to rely for that. Um, all right. Let's move on. Speaking of Sixers and Heat, I've had a couple to- a couple days or a day and a half at least to kind of yeah, calm down got, about buddy? it. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not. Um, what I'm about to say is not going to be popular. And there's going to be a lot of people I know who listen to this pod who may not listen again because of this, honestly, or at least will think I'm an idiot. Um, I love Joel Embiid. I cannot say this enough. And I'm laying this out now as a caveat for everybody listening. So just please bear with me. Okay. I understand the injuries. I understand he's an absolute monster for fighting and battling through all this stuff. I understand he got hit in, in the in the broken part of his face with a basketball um, it, it, that could have been a punch, basically, if the basketball wasn't there. I understand everything he's doing. He's an absolute war. He's an absolute monster. I am happy that he's a sixer. Joel Embiid is a Philadelphia 76er. Okay. In 2018, when the Sixers lost to the Boston Celtics in the first round after being the three seed, right? And they went on that crazy run. They won like 18 in a row to close out without Embiid, and then they come back. Um, it might have been the second round, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the first round. I had a take, and I got ripped for it by friends and people, and I haven't brought it out since. Joel Embiid is going down a similar path as Russell Westbrook. And Hmm. I firmly in my heart of hearts believe that to win in the NBA, you need a wing star, right? And even for Giannis, who is the best player on his team, he had Chris Middleton, right? Um, But you look through all of NBA history. If you go all the way back to the Wilt and Bill Russell days, as JJ Redick put it recently, those guys were the best players on their team, but they were playing against firemen and plumbers, Right. Every other team had one dude who was like six eight, except for Boston and Philly, and they had and the it was freaks, throw it to that guy, <laughs> right? And on top of it too, you know, there were what eight teams I think in the league back then. So that was the last time we've really seen a center win as your best player without any sort of wing dominant player. Ever since then, going through the seventies, going through the eighties, going through the nineties, going through the early two thousands, going into the twenty tens. The only exception you can really make would be the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, okay. Right? Because it was Tim Duncan as the best player, but those teams were so special, Mm, right? The same can be said with the exception of one or two teams with point guards. All right? Isaiah Thomas in Detroit is the best example, but that team was also loaded with talent. Step three. 
And then the other example would be Steph, but even Steph also had Kevin Durant for two of his titles. He also had Clay Thompson and Draymond who were wing wing ish. Well, not Draymond, but Clay's a wing player. Right. And Steph also revolutionized the game primarily overwhelmingly. When you look at the majority of people who've won championships, you need that wing star, which is why I still say the best chance the Sixers would have had to win the title was the year Jimmy Butler was there, even though I didn't love Jimmy Butler. And I still am happy to some degree that Jimmy Butler isn't a Sixer because I just don't fully buy into what he does and the fit and everything else. But I would rather have him right now than James Harden. I can tell you that much. So, so what I'm saying here is that as much as I love Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid can't do it as, as the focal point. Kobe had Shaq had Kobe, right? And Kobe also had Powell. If you're if you're the Michael dominant. Had Michael had Pippen. The only other example of a big guy, right, is Hakeem Olajuwon, who also had Clyde Drexler, right, and also had other guys around him. And the best player in the league that year, both for both of those times, didn't play in those two years that they won in 94 and 95. So before people call me a clown or whatever, I love Joel Embiid so much. But Joel Embiid is the center equivalent of Russell Westbrook to me. Or at least he's going down this path. He can't be the guy with the ball at the end of his hands. Uh, the, the guy with the ball at the end of the game, the guy with the ball in his hands at the end of the game. I'm sick. Shut up. Not you, listeners. I want so badly for Joel Embiid to win. For him, everything he's gone through, him as a person, what he's done for the city. But it feels like this is AI 2.0, right? Just with a center instead of a point guard. A guy the city embraces and loves. And AI was out of the league fast dude it was like a year and a half after he got traded to denver and all of a sudden he's out of the league and i don't want that for Embiid. i want Embiid to have a long amazing career but it's getting dangerously close to this thing of you're putting up amazing stats and you're carrying the team on your back at certain points and i can empathize with you think about how much okc loved russell westbrook for all those years and after kd left and he's carrying us and he gets us and he's our guy and the, the galvanization of a fan base is a wonderful, amazing thing that we have in sports. And it's why we do this. It's why we're fans of our teams to do that exact thing. But we're, we're fighting a losing battle comparatively to the rest of NBA history here. And for as much as I understand that Embiid has all these injuries, he didn't get that ball to the face until late in the second quarter. And for the first – and the Sixers looked terrible well before that injury. Yeah. They looked I mean, out of sorts. Of not well, just but that goes back to the energy thing, right? That's why I was talking about that with, with Giannis. Because Embiid came out soft. Embiid so, was so not aggressive in the first yeah, five, I've, ten minutes of that game. I've heard a ton of this the just the past couple of days, this lack of leadership stuff. And the idea that for, for what you might think was the chemistry, uh, keep in mind that Ben Simmons was also there. Uh, but Jimmy Butler was a leader of that team when they had Butler yeah. Simmons and, and Joel Embiid. Uh, well, so they and- had a guy to look to in the postseason, a veteran to look to in the postseason uh, to, to lead them. And it wasn't Embiid having to do it all on his own and have the ball in his hands all the time. Yeah. And when, when we did have Jimmy Butler, he was an alpha. Embiid was younger and was not as polished as he is now as well. And Jimmy Butler was, I wouldn't say the better player, but at least the more experienced, the veteran, right? And Embiid was still kind of working up to that status. Embiid, if he wants to be the alpha guy, 
He wants to be the MVP guy. He can't have nights where he comes out looking the way he did in that game before the injury. And again, I understand the injuries. And I understand his postgame comments after the game broke my heart where he said it was like, if I, if I don't play, then I'm soft. Yeah. And if I do play and I play badly, then I'm not good enough. So what choice do I have? And you know yeah. what? As much as I, it hurts to say this, if you want to be that guy, you want to be the MVP, you want to be this dude that we all want you to be and that you say you want to be, there is truth in that statement. And I applaud him for recognizing that. But at the same time, that also means that you can't come out in what was the most important game of your career to this point and not be aggressive. If you're going to play, we need you to be that good. You need you to be that good. And I can sympathize to the cows come home about the injuries and about the broken face and all that stuff. And I do, I a hundred percent do. He's been, it's amazing that he's even playing right now, but at the same time, you want to be the MVP, you know? And, and for the record, I don't agree with the TNT guys who were saying like he came out soft um, or that the MVP thing, he had two days and was focusing on the MVP thing. That's all bullshit. I don't believe in yeah. that. Cause I believe in bead wants nothing more than to win. And the hard thing is, is when he, I mean, he was getting double team, triple team. And that's part of why you can't have the big guy be the, be that guy, you know, and maybe Russell Westbrook isn't fair. Maybe Damian Lillard is a better comp, right? Because Russ is a crybaby and a million other things. And I don't like Russ personality wise, but Oklahoma city did. Dame is probably the better comp than, than Russell Wilson, but nonetheless, you need a wing. You need someone to alleviate. In fact, if, if Damian Lillard of five years ago was playing right now, he would be the perfect guy to have with him beat. Because when you need it, he would be able to get buckets. He'd be able to oh close God, out games yeah. and take that pressure okay. off of him beat. Because, yeah, in the regular season, he might have a bunch of big shots in the last minute of the game, like that stat we we're talking about a few weeks ago. But in the playoffs, when he's getting double teamed, they're running a trap zone where they have basically a one, two, two, and he's sitting up at the top of the key and they got three guys coming on him all at one time. What else is he supposed to do? I don't know. But this thing is, is like Harden wasn't terrible in that game. Harden was the alpha coming out and playing his ass off in that game. And as much as I love Embiid, and I know when we have players that we love and have done a lot for the city and that we rally around, they're not above a certain level of criticism. To me, no player is above criticism. Um, And for as much as I love Embiid, and again, I give him – the benefit of the doubt with the injuries. I think it's amazing he's playing here or whatever, but to say that his lack of energy in the first quarter and a half before the injury happened, didn't play a role in what the direction that game was going. You're lying to yourself because in games three and games four, he came out with energy. He came out with energy. He did. And the crowd was able to help the role players. Well, they didn't have the crowd on their side in that game. And he didn't come out with a high level of energy or aggression. And they were down. It was 10-9. The Sixers were up. And from that point on, for the rest of the game, it was over. But, Jeff, neither did anyone else. Like, nobody on that team looked like they were prepared to be there. or or I agree. To be in that game. I agree. But that's why. No, you're right. You're 100% right. But that's why we were, what we were just talking about with Giannis, right? Scoring-wise, the Milwaukee Celtics game was almost exactly the same as Philly-Miami in game five up until the third quarter. And then what happened? The team believed. And, and the team was still playing hard throughout all that. The Sixers stopped playing hard after the third quarter. And we just saw it's possible to come back and win a game 
when you're down 15 at, at the end of the third quarter. Yeah. And I get it. I get it. The, the whole team was bad. But when you want to be that guy, the guy, I wish it was like the 80s when guys could just clothesline people and that would fire your team up, right? <laughs> like there's a part of me that wishes that players, role players could get themselves fired up on their own, that they don't need to look to the superstar. But if the superstar isn't aggressive, that is the direction the rest of the team will go. And Jimmy Butler was aggressive off the bounce in that game. And then what happens? Max Struess drains three threes in the first quarter, right? So I'm not, I, I'm not trying to say that, like, Joel Embiid's not an amazing player, that Joel Embiid isn't one of my favorite, if not my favorite player in the NBA. I love Joel Embiid. But unless he has a sidekick, unless he has a Kobe to him, which I'm not saying we need Kobe, but someone like that. I mean, hell, it could be a Chris Middleton to Giannis, right? They need someone that can take that weight off. And they waited too long, and they're stuck with an old James Harden who couldn't do it anymore. But even Middleton feeds off of Giannis, right? Like Kobe fed off of Shaq. Shaq fed off of Kobe, even though they fucking hated each other. And a young Tyrese Maxey is not... I think no. ready to be in that position and anybody who's criticizing one day, him, but yeah, like, I don't know, like Maxi stepped up in game two, uh, Tobias stepped up in game one, Danny green stepped up in game three, Harden stepped up in game four. That's four of the starting five. And I get all the injuries and everything else. And I'm not trying to discredit it. Um, and I know that's what people are going to hear this and be like, dude, he's hurt. Why are you even saying this? I'm looking at the course of history. I'm looking at the course of his career. At this point, it's getting dangerously close to that Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook kind of guy who's an unbelievable player. Dame never had a running mate that was perfect for him. They got to the Western Conference Finals and then got swept in four games by Golden State. So I hate it as much as anybody, man. I fucking hate it as much as anybody. I love Joe. I want Joe to win more than anything. But I just I don't like people saying that he doesn't deserve any blame. We can say he's a warrior. We can say it's unbelievable what he's doing and the fact he's even playing right now. And we can also say, but yeah, if you're going to play, we need you to be at least be aggressive and set a tone. And he didn't yeah. do that. And I think that's valid. I know I just talked for like 20 minutes, but if you no, have anything good. else you want to add. No, I, I would just add that I'd love for him to be a warrior. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I'd love Steph to be a sixer. I don't yeah, think wow. either one of those are happening. And, and by the way, I just <laughs> I want to clarify this too. I'm not saying trade Joel Embiid. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. I want Joel Embiid to be a sixer for life. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's back that truck up. <laughs> but let's go get him, Zach Levine. Let's go get him. Fuck, I don't even know who's available. Don, Don, I don't want Donovan Mitchell. But you know what? I would take Donovan Mitchell over James Harden right now. Oh uh, yeah, that's a Texas size ten four. And I don't even like Donovan Mitchell that much. Yeah, well, but he's younger than. And they, they might be interested in that too. You could trade Harden for Donovan Mitchell. The contracts work. Harden has always played better when he has a rim running big guy. Gobert's still there. Though James Harden would be miserable in Utah. <laughs> no nightclubs, no strip, stri- no strip yeah. clubs. So maybe he would just get a bunch of like, sister wives. Oh. All right. Get, get some go. James Harden gets get his uh, post game soak in. Oh dear! All right, let's take <laughs> let's take a break, uh, and we'll come back and we'll wrap up the other two games and uh, wrap up the pod. All right, Scotty, I just did my ranting and raving and and bitching and moaning. Um, you were right though, as we said in the break, Dame is a much better comp than Russell Westbrook. So I just want to yeah. I want to apologize for comparing Joel Embiid to Russell Westbrook because that's not 
Don't do that to yourself. No. Embiid's a much Philadelphia. But I did say too. I'm like, if Embiid was on another team this whole time, I would absolutely be making that. <laughs> I probably would have been making it for four years, unfairly, albeit unfairly. Um. All right. <laughs> I did my bitching and moaning. I'll pass the reins off to you. Your team's up three one. They're still in a good good spot. Uh, game five was in Memphis. They have a big bounce back win game five by a lot. Um, but you get game six at home. So where is the concern panic meter at for you? Um, jaws out for the playoffs. So, you know, that, that to me felt a little Ewing theory ish, you know, a little like nobody believes in us ish and they just came out and were wet from three and dominated. Um, but as a Warriors fan, how are you feeling? Uh, wow. <laughs> Played well. We're up by a lot. They were up by a fifty-five as at, at one point. Were the uh, were the Grizzlies? So, look, you want to talk about a team that just didn't feel like they showed up uh, in a game. The Warriors looked like nobody was interested in that game by the by halftime. I mean, the Grizzlies had five guys in double digits by halftime, seven by the end of the game, including Stephen Adams. Like what? <laughs> so, and they're playing with all role players, right? I mean, like, like they, they have the Jared Jacksons who are playing unbelievable defense, by the way, uh, and, and scoring. They have Dylan Brooks who's scoring. Uh, they have Tyus Jones who for some reason is scoring annoyingly, by the way. Uh, and Tyus Jones is a good player. They're, they, he's okay. They're scrappy he's though. He's they're a great scrappy. role player. And, and, and I'll give them that credit. They are scrappy and they play well. Uh, especially knowing they're down there, that their star player. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm comforted by the fact that, you know, maybe they just had a bad flight. Maybe they ate some bad food on the, on the way. I, you know, they weren't feeling good. They get to go home and play a game. This is the benefit of being up three, one. If this was tied and we played that game, I'd be like in the same boat as you right now. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm happy, content going back home. Uh, up three two, because uh, I know that that those role play and Otto Porter got injured too, so I, I don't think we'll see him. That was one of our crucial role players. Um, I don't think we'll see him in Game Six, but uh, you know, I think a, a lot of those role players will will step up. Guys like Damian Lee and uh, and, and Kaminga will will probably get some some solid minutes. I think as and, much as no, go go ahead. I, I don't want to. I want no, you to no. have as much time as you need. No, I, I just think those those critical role guys are, are going to be able to step up. And I think <laughs> it was funny, too. I saw a, uh, a tweet from a giant starting pitcher, Logan Webb, who grew up in the near the Bay Area and is a Sacramento Kings fan. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Steve Kerr has been out the last two games after he tested positive for COVID. Mike Brown, who's an esteemed uh, coach in the NBA, has been our head coach uh, on an interim basis while Steve Kerr is out. And, you had and coach of the Kings as well. That well, that's what Logan Webb said. Is he's he's bringing that uh, the Kings curse <laughs> to, uh, to the. It's already started right now. So uh, so no no I, I I don't think any of that's true. I think we're good. You know, going back home, look, and and this is the thing for a team like what what the Grizzlies the Grizzlies have played for, they've played to their name. They're Grizzly man. Like they they are scrappy. They they. Or no, I've I've texted this to to my group of friends at home. I'm like, the, this was cute at first, like the story with Ja, and you know, even when he was out toward the end of the year, they went 20 to 22 games without him. They're getting annoying now, like like annoying, like 
they're not they're not great. They're kind of good without Ja, but they're annoying. And I think that's they're okay with that because that wins the ball games, or at least it keeps them in ball games. Game four was a tight game. Uh, yeah. Until until the end of the game, I, I don't think the Warriors led until uh, there was about forty three seconds left in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, you know, credit to them for for playing the way that they have and, and figuring out a, a game plan to scheme against a team with three stars, sometimes four on the court, and uh, no superstars uh, on on their side. So, uh, credit to them. But I think going home for the Warriors is gonna gonna do a lot of good. We, we've talked about it multiple times. I think the role players are going to step up at home. The energy at, uh, I almost called it Oracle, but it's Chase Center. No, nah, it's Oracle. Uh, It'll forever uh, be Oracle. <laughs> is, uh, is electric, man. Uh, Absolutely. It's a great place, great place to be at a game. Uh, have you been the at first... the, have you been to the, I the did. new I, building I went, yet? I went in December when I was out there for, oh, when you uh, were for home? Christmas. Yeah, How, I, I've heard play. it's amazing. It is. It is. Like it's a spaceship. It's nice. Yeah. That's it's, sick. it's real nice. That's um, cool. <laughs> Here's, so, here's yeah. kind of my home sense of this be game, fine. right? Yeah, there you go. Um, I w- I'm not worried about this at all for Golden State. This is – and I'm so mad at myself, and I was kicking myself the next day because I bet on Golden State to wrap it up. And part of me had also forgot. I guess I'm just so implicitly – like, I was also sick. But, uh, you know, I, it's such like an implicit bias to be like, oh, well, Golden State's got the home court advantage. So of course, game five is going to be there. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, shit. No, they're the three seed. Memphis is the two seed. Uh, so I, I guess in my head, I just figured Golden State was at home um, for this game. And then you put it all together. The jaw stuff sucks. The coach coming out and, you know, kind of talk, not talking smack, but kind of just affirming that, you know, maybe the Jordan Poole thing is what aggravated it. I think that's bullshit personally. If it's a bone bruise and that was the thing, him yeah. lightly touching the leg, I think that's Come bullshit. On. But to rally a team, you lose your best player, you're at home, you're fighting for your life. Um, this goes back to that human element of sports, right? Like the team that's on the brink of losing is always, always, always going to be able to get more desperate than the team that's up 3-1. And this is also a testament to how good the NBA is, right? Like, yeah. like all of these guys are incredible <laughs> at basketball, right? The, like, a guy, like you said, Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones went four of seven from three. What the hell? I'm like, yeah, that's because that's how good – you know, Rosillo and ben, uh, Bill Simmons had this take, you know, a couple of years ago when Jeremy Grant, I guess it was last year, but when Jeremy Grant went to uh, Detroit and was averaging 20 points a game, it's like how many guys, if you gave them enough shots, could average 20 points a game in the NBA? And the list is probably over 100 because that's just how much talent exists and shot yeah. making exists in the modern NBA. And yeah. I think Golden State, hey, they're up 3-1. We're going to Memphis. We know we're going to get a game back here. You and know, that's they came the, in a, a little lackadaisical, right? And, and it's hard, too. The other thing, too, on the court, like Memphis made everything last mm-hmm. I mean, everything was falling for them last night. No they couldn't hit a bucket. Yeah, I mean, I mean <laughs> Memphis, they were fighting for their lives. Like ultimately they were fighting for their lives. And when you have a team that's at that point, they're going to be more aggressive. They're going to fight for more rebounds. Um, and, and I wouldn't be worried at all. I think Golden State goes home. I think what on Saturday they play Saturday night. Yeah. Um, and I think they, they went out easy. I, I, I think it's a comfortable win. Um, and the other thing too was, you know, Steve Kerr was smart. Oh no, Friday. Sorry. I'm Is sorry. it Friday? Friday. Um, yeah. Steve Kerr was smart. Draymond played 22 minutes. Kaminga played 24. Steph and Clay played 25, right? Oh, and Mike like, Brown. But yeah. Or sorry, Mike Brown. My apologies. Um, the coaching staff was smart. And they said, all yeah. right, look, 
this they this is one of those nights it's blow they're fighting for their lives we're rest up take the rest yeah. of the game off we'll go back home like you said a little home cooking will do well the one other thing i want to point out here um we talk about plus minus and stuff and obviously this is a blowout so like i'm not taking anything significant from this um but just the numbers are staggering dude desmond bain plus 46 jaron jackson jr plus 42 Tyus Jones, plus 39. Uh, Dylan Brooks, plus 38. Steven Adams, plus 32. They all played 25 minutes or less. And then you yeah, look at, like, Clay. What... Clay was minus 45. Steph was that... minus 37, right? That will tell you how the game went, man. That's, that's why, like, a 55-point yeah. deficit will do that to you. <laughs> like... I mean, and, and to your credit, too, I mean, you're talking about, like, they're, they're for whatever reason, every time Memphis has a good team, they're this, it's the same vibe. It's that just like same thing with Zach Randolph and Powell and Marcus Gasol and all those teams, man. You know, uh, the grit and grind Grizzlies, right? Tony Allen and all those good, you know, Memphis squads that were out there for a few years. Mike Connolly. Um, they always seem to be this kind Jeff of Green, vibe of a team. on that squad, right? Yeah, Jeff Green's been on like half the teams in the NBA. Um, <laughs> but I'm not worried about the Warriors. Uh, another team I'm not worried about, the Phoenix Suns. Um, you know, I had Phoenix winning that game. Uh you, I believe, had uh, Dallas pulling it off. Uh, yeah, it's a um, I mean, look, uh, game six, it will be in Dallas tonight. Um, but this was a good old-fashioned ass-whooping. Um, Booker, Booker's playing with a chip on his shoulder that I think is, is pretty scary, right? I mean, he ended up finishing fourth in MVP voting behind Jokic, uh, Embiid, and Giannis. Uh, and, it's, and he was one spot ahead of Luka. Um, Devin Booker's a stud, man. And, and it's a, he's the perfect complement to Chris Paul, who's able to just do his thing. Uh, and the other thing we saw in this game was DeAndre, Atten, uh, DeAndre Ayton was a force on the court, right? Uh, I, I'm pulling up his stat line now from that game. Um, you know, he had, we called that. Yeah. I mean, he had 20 points in this game, but I think on both ends of the floor, defensively, you know, locking up the guys, uh, Dwight Powell, you know, only played eight minutes, but like Maxi Kleba, they tried to go small. When Maxi Kleba was on the court, he was minus 22. And the majority of those minutes were matched up against DeAndre Ayton, right? And so Ayton is athletic enough that he can go out and guard on the perimeter, but you want him to keep him in, right? But this was a, all right, Luca has 28, Jalen Brunson has 21, but there were two other guys. Now, granted, Dwight Powell's not an actual, like, starter starter for them he only played eight minutes but he had zero points reggie bullock had eight, zero points um finney smith had eight points um and they held him to 80 and this was a uh yeah no you're not the best team in this series this is a hey oh you won two games at home cute we're coming in and i think they close it out tonight on the road in game six yeah hey <laughs> there's 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 little doubt in my mind that they don't um <clears throat> They're just they they looked in that game like they knew they were the better team, uh, whereas you know uh, even the Warriors like just didn't come out looking like they knew they were the better team. Uh, yeah, and that's if there was one thing I would take away from that, that's what would scare me in that Warriors game is that they need to go out there every night and you know believe that they're the better team. Uh, but the, that's what Phoenix is doing right now, uh, and I think especially with the the year that they had last year, the run that they had and the experience that Chris Paul uh, brings and guys like Jay Crowder too, even who's made deep runs in the playoffs, they know that that's what you need yeah. uh, to, to, to succeed, not only in the first round, but just as much in the second round and the conference finals and even in the finals. Uh, so, you know, also, I, I, I love the flexibility in their lineups too. I mean, Aiton only played 22 minutes. 
Um, and, he still, and he still had 20 points. And then you look at like Biombo played 21. He was a factor defensively, if nothing else. Uh, they bring in Cam Johnson off the bench and they played a little small ball um, with him. And they basically put Crowder at the five and they just run this offense where it's shooter, 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 at Chris Paul. <laughs> you know, it's Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder, Devin Booker, Cam Johnson and Chris Paul. So it's like, oh, Dallas, you want to take, you know, a small ball lineup against us? All right, cool. Well, Aiton can guard you, you know, Kleba out on the outside, but also we can take him off the bench and we can go even smaller than you and our shooters are better. Uh, and we have Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul scores the most pedestrian stat line you're going to see for a dude that absolutely controlled that game start to finish. And then again, you just see Devin Booker playing hard, aggressive, both sides of the court on the floor. He looked fully healthy in this game. I think for the first time, uh, I know he had 35 or 34 in, in like game one or game two of this series, but that was like an easy 35, 34 for him. This was the first time it was like, it was hard on him and he was still getting to the bucket. He was still taking hard fouls and he was still making his shots um, 11 to 20 for, for Devin Booker. So uh, yeah, I think the sun's get it done tonight. All right. Um, predictions for tonight, Phoenix or Dallas. I'm going Phoenix. <clears throat> I just, I, there's, there's little to me that says that Dallas is in a place except for being the fact that they're playing at home little to me that says that they feel like they can beat this team right now. And even more on the Phoenix side that says that they can beat anybody in the world right now. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm with you. I think this is a statement game for Phoenix. They close the series out. They get themselves a couple of days of extra rest and they move on to the Western conference finals. Uh, all right. Miami Philly. I love you, Jeff. I do, but uh, I'm going to go Miami. Like there was, there was no, everybody looked like they wanted to be in Cabo uh, on the Sixers the other night. Like, like they were already in Miami and they might as well take a, a short jaunt down to the, uh, down across the uh, peninsula in the Gulf uh, to Cabo. So, uh, man, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to take Miami. I just think that they're playing, they know they're playing like the better team and they got guys involved like Struess who, uh, you know, even though they were at home, I feel like that's a guy who needs some momentum to to kind of get him going. And the game before, he only had like th- like three minutes and and six points. So like, uh, yeah, you know, guys like that, and and they they haven't even played Duncan Robinson. So he he actually got in the game a little bit in, on uh on Wednesday or Tuesday. Um, I'm I'm going with you. I'm taking Miami. No winks this time. Um, I'm I'm taking the Heat. No winks. The, the post-game can comments from Embiid were concerning. He seems defeated. And granted, he's battled through so many injuries, and he's battled his ass off. And he I, got- I don't know about defeat. Well, they might be one and the same, but I think this year he's deflated. Deflated, sure. I, I just – there's a couple things. A, I think – I don't understand. Like, road game or not road game – Um the confidence that guys like Struess and Gabe Vincent and those dudes who were just pouring in threes and Tyler hero um, in that game on Tuesday, the amount of confidence that they got in that game has to bleed over into this game. There's no way that it doesn't. There's I mean, and, and Philly's known for their ruckus crowd. And yet I'm talking to my roommate today and some guys I know in Philly who bought game six tickets ahead of time, looking to either, Hey, well, you know, hopefully they win in Miami and then we can get, go to the closeout game. Or if not, then we can sell it and make a bunch of money. And all those guys lost money because playoff tickets right now are going for like 30 bucks Oof. for the Sixers right now. And and Oof. to think about that, I think the city feels deflated. 
I said before that this series was reminding me of the Toronto series where it was like Miami looks amazing or Toronto looked amazing in game one, game two. Then Philly looks amazing in game three and game four. And then Toronto won by, you know, 25 in game five. And then Philly won by 30 in game six. And then they went to Toronto. It was an amazing game seven. Um, also know that me saying this means that the Sixers are probably going to win tonight and my death will just be prolonged by a couple of days. But um, I just, I, without Embiid, the, the version of Embiid there when him saying in the postgame conference, like, I don't know what else I can do, right? If I'm if I don't play, I'm soft. If I play badly, it's my fault, you know, blah, blah, blah. And yet everyone just rallies around him and no one's actually blaming Embiid. They're blaming everyone else, they're blaming a 21-year-old who's absolutely played above his head. The amount of Philly people who are bashing Maxi is just disgusting. I'm just like, you guys are blame the 27-year-old MVP. Like, not blame, but, you know, you're going to blame the 21-year-old before you blame the MVP, right? That doesn't yeah. make sense to me. So um, I say Miami, there's a good chance that Philly comes out and Embiid uses all this as motivation. Um, but that press conference of Embiid was a version of him I've never seen before, or at least the last time I did, it was after the Kawhi shot. Um, and that concerns me going into this. So I hope I'm wrong. I hope Philly pulls out and is the 15% that pulls off the, you know, game six, game seven wins. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if they do win tonight and they win big and they go to Miami and then it's a great game in Miami for game seven on Sunday, but, uh, I'm taking Miami as well. So we're both on Miami and Phoenix. Um, that is all we got. That game's tipping off in five minutes. So, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you all for listening. Hopefully by uh, Tuesday, I'm feeling better or Monday night. I'll be feeling better. Get better uh, we'll, man. we'll have updates on this and, uh, we'll and- talk to you guys then. Anything else, Scotty? No, I. Well, I was going to say we'll update the NFL schedule. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, no. Well, no. I did see last, last, last thing. Um, kickoff to the regular season will be Buffalo versus the Rams. And the Monday night opener will be Denver and Seattle. Russell West, Russell Wilson's first game as a Bronco will be in Seattle. So. Neato. <laughs> Neato. Exactly. All right. Let's get out of here. Go Sixers. Let's see it. Coming back to you guys on Tuesday. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you guys then. Take it easy, everybody. Peace.